we've been in a series now called Make It Matter, and we've been thinking about what it means to make it matter. And some of the things that we've been talking about is making it matter at home, making it matter, and it relates to on Friday, in our marriages. And what it all simply boils down to is how do we make it matter? What does it look like to make our lives matter and ultimately our relationship with God? Because when we make our relationship with God matter, when we center that and we prioritize that, we can see that actually infiltrate every other area of our life. Today, I'll be talking with you about make it matter at the table. Make it matter at the table. Why in the world would I say make it matter at the table? What does it mean to make it matter at the table? Well, those are some of the things that we'll be detailing, what we'll be talking about. There's a, uh, there's a scripture, there's a person, a theologian, who w- once wrote this. He said, in Luke's gospel, which we'll be reading uh, later on today, uh, in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. This is Tim Chester. He wrote in a book, A Meal with Jesus. And all today, we'll be talking about what that means, because at the table, we'll see this is where people begin to experience God. And why would Jesus use something so insignificant, so to speak, as a table? What is it about a table that even in the first early century church, before it was denominations, before it was mainstream and commercialized, that the foundation, a pillar of the Christian faith was around a table? And some of you, you can see here, I have a beautiful decked out table because I want to talk about what that looks like of how we begin to see the table the same way Jesus saw the table. Because when we begin to see the table as the same way as Jesus saw the table, this is where miracles happened. It's at a table that we begin to see people experience God, begin to see him for who he is, begin to see his love. It was all at a table. So today, I want to talk about what it means. And this is the big idea that I want to give to you. If you don't catch anything else, here's the big idea for today. The table matters because our neighbor matters. The table matters because our neighbor matters. It will detail what that means, what that looks like a little bit more. But to help me preach this morning, I'm actually going to show you a clip. So turn your attention to the screens, and we'll detail and talk a little bit more after the video. Welcome to Shared Plate. Thank you. Here, diners are seated with someone they don't know. Um, I'll show you to your table. Your guest is here. This is Puna. Hello. Albert. Hi. I'll leave you two to get acquainted. Hey, I'm Joshua. <laughs> I'm Nicole. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Here at Shared Plate, we don't have menus. No menus? No. So instead, we'll be mixing the culinary traditions of each table to make something brand new, just for you. Well, I'm from uh, East Tennessee. My parents are of Indian origin. Here, Queens. The UK. Well, cheers. To a new experience. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just not combining food. This is really combining people, and I'll prepare a dish that represents both of them. One was from England, the other's from New York. I came up with a banger chili dog on a pretzel roll with an everything bagel potato chip.
right, here you go. Mm. Wow. My favorite vegetable is actually okra. So oh, is, I love okra. Yeah, so this is perfect. My Aww. cat, Ducky. I love my mom, too, but I really love my cat. <laughs> you said you're a musician? Yeah. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Our neighbors introduced us to hot yoga. I like hot yoga, that, yeah. Well, you do, do you? We would always sit and have family dinner. It just made us all close. I totally, totally connect with that. Do yeah. you normally wear a bow tie to the airport? Step across, by waist. Put your hands on the floor like that. You definitely not do that. You want to try it? Um, OK. Here, hold on. When you go to the airport, you don't think usually about company. All you're thinking about is, I'm going to make my flight on time. And we need that. There's too many things pulling people apart nowadays. Everybody has a story. When you really get to know other people, it just breaks down barriers. So to start off our time together, I'm going to need four volunteers, four volunteers. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Look at all of you getting nervous. I got Freddie, though. I can always count on Freddie right here in the front. I just, in this moment, I just want to play over the loudspeakers, all of like what's happening in the mind of an introvert right now. Like what is being said of like, he just asked for what? Look, I'm not doing any of that. Like I will, Jesus, I'll give you my right foot, but I'm not about to come up front in front of everybody and, and meet strangers and all these different things. It's so interesting though, because it, to be honest though, any extroverts in the room though, it's like, I'm there. I would do that. I would, uh, I'm not. Wow, I'm by myself. I would arrive to the airport three hours early to meet a stranger. And honestly, to be, I'm the type of person that actually keeps the airplane held up. So it's, I'm one of the people that's actually running very late. And I'm like, oh, I got an hour to get to the airport. You know, let me watch the show, then I'll go. I'm that type of person. And so you guys are all mad at me on the, uh, when you're on the airplane. Um, but masks have actually been a thing that I've loved during this season because I'll enter the airplane and I'm like this. Sorry, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. You can't really see me, right? But... Um, I say that because any of the experts in the room, I thought that was really interesting of like at an airport, going there and the meal that you have before you get on the flight, you're partnered with a stranger, there's no menus, and you have to talk. And you can see the awkwardness in the society that we live in today, that when it comes to starting conversation, when it comes to sitting in front of someone that is a stranger that we don't know, how radical, how, how absurd would it be to think about switching up our lives, the ebb and flow of what we do to have a stranger incorporated in that. How foolish is it to think to ourselves that I would spend my money, my time, my energy, I'm already busy, I have these things going on in my life, to think about what it means to sit in front of a stranger. I have things to do. I have places to be. Many of us are sitting in this situation and we're like, that's good for a little promo video, but in reality, that, that's, that's crazy talk. That, that's radical to think about sitting in front of someone else, switching up my time and my schedule, my calendar. Running to the airport, you're already thinking through things. I'm already running later. I got to check this bag and keep the kids up with me and, and all these different things. And they got to take the lotion out because I forgot the lotion and all these different things going on in my mind. And now I have to think about what it means to also incorporate a stranger into my world, incorporate a stranger into my life. I thought about this today because it's interesting to me that we would call it radical, we would call it foolish, 
We would call it something that's even absurd to think about what that looks like. But is it? When we think about the kingdom lens, we look at how radical, so to speak, Jesus was in his approach to this world. Is it just, is it crazy talk or is it actually the way Jesus exampled in his life? What it means to not just focus on us, but what it means to have an eye for our neighbor. Because today, like I said before, if the table is going to matter, the table matters because our neighbor matters. As we talk about this today, I thought, about, I thought to myself, what if we lived in such a way? What if we lived in such a way that we got the same remarks that Jesus got when he was living? What if we lived in such a way that the same ridicule that Jesus got when he was living are the same ridicule that we get? I'm going to show you in just a moment what that ridicule looks like, but I think so much of us, so many of us, we think about our reputation, and we think about our family, and we think about what that looks like, and we think about not being rejected, and we think about all these things in our head and what it means to actually put ourselves out there to someone we don't know, we don't know their background, we don't know exactly who they are, but I came across something that I thought was really interesting, that you can always tell what people care about or what they admire, or what they focus on or what they love most by the way the structure of their home is or the structure of their building is. You can always tell what someone cares about by the structure of their building or the structure of their home. When we go to places, and, and I just think through the church lens, we've been building all these things as a church, and we're attempting to build more here and I've been sitting in these different meetings, and I don't, honestly, I don't know why I'm always in these meetings, but I'm in these meetings. I'm like, all I know is like loving people, and I can teach, you know, a little bit, you know. And so I'm sitting here, and I'm these blueprints and these things that people are laying out, and I'm sitting here. And one of the things that the uh, architects begin to say, though, is that you begin to see what people care about by the way that they structure the building. So be thinking about that ascent. What do you care about? Because what you do care about, that is what we're going to orient ourselves around. I begin to think about how does that impact our lives? What does that mean for our homes? How do we view our homes? Because sometimes I think we view our homes and our table in such a way that I think is a little bit opposite of kingdom. I want to read this passage for you, and I want you to think about, have I ever got the same ridicule as Jesus? Listen to these words right here. This is in Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 27. It says, later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Luke 5, oh, excuse me, the next verse says, Later, Levi had a banquet at his home and Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees, these religious people, and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Listen to this. Why do you eat and drink, look at this word, with such scum? Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think that they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Why do you eat with such scum? I want to talk about what this means to us, and there's a few tables that I think will detail our lives. But I want you to think about that sentence for a moment, though. Why do you eat 
with such scum? Why do you eat with these type of people? Do we orient our lives in this way? Well, let's go to table number one. Table number one, I'm going to make my way over here. We are in, as you can see, I'm using the whole auditorium today, okay? All auditorium. Table number one, this is the tray table over here. This is, this is what I would call the individual table. This is the table that I think that we sit back at uh, many times and life begins to get the most of us. I have a hungry man Salisbury steak here for one serving here. I have a sun kiss, you know, one serving, one place setting, plastic, mind you, um, just kind of kick back. I got a folding chair here. And this table is just me focused. As you can see, there's no thought into anyone else. There's no thought into having someone else. The way that I view this table is focused on me. The individual table, the table that many of us visit often in the ebbs and flow of our life because that's what we do. How do I get my time? How do I get my me time? We, we even call it things like, you know, we view our home as a place of refuge in my castle, my, my, my humble abode, my, my place where I can get, a, get away. We view our home as a retreat center. We view our home as a place where we shut out the outside world. I know many times, especially in 2020, I visited this table. I didn't want to hear anything about anything else in 2020. I just want to be individual. And I don't want to demean this table. I don't want to say that this table is bad per se. I just want to say that there's moments that we'll visit this table, but if we're honest, how often do we stay at this table? How often do we stay focused on me? This is more like a selfie table because it's about self. It's focused on just me. I wrote down something that I thought but as I began to look at the life of Jesus because life has very little meaning when it's all about me. Life has very little meaning when it's all about me. I really don't have much to offer our world when I just focus on me. And each table that we visit today, I want you to think about the motives. I want you to think about the underlying motives that keeps us at these tables. Some of those things I think are very valid as we rush to get away from certain things and retreat because of hurt, because of trauma, because of things that we don't want to experience, so we shut out the outside world. And we view our table as me, myself, and I. Have you visited this table before? Have you been at this table? And how long have you, would say, you've been at this table? If you have been at this table for some time, my challenge to you, if this is a table that you've been at, is gonna be simply this. Your prayers that you pray the moments that you get away and you begin to talk with God, you begin to think about what life is, when you begin to think about how your faith matters, if all of your prayers were answered today, if God was that type of God and you were able, he's not a genie in the bottle, I'm just hypothetically speaking right now, if God was that type of God and your, answers, your prayers were answered right now in a moment's notice, I want you to answer this question and think about it. If your prayers were answered today, would your world change? Or would the world change? Would it just be you and your family's life that changes? Or would it be your neighbor's life that changes also? Because if the table is going to matter, it matters because our neighbor matters. 
There's a verse in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, and it details all that Jesus came for, all that Jesus pressed into. And it simply says, first and foremost, I'm going to hang everything on two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second commandment is just alike, just, just the same. It weighs the same as the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. If the table mattered to Jesus so much, then the way that we view the table, I believe, has a lot to say about our theology, has a lot to say about how we view God. Is it an individual faith? Is it a private faith that's just between you and the Lord, or is it something to be shared? That's the individual table, and some of us are sitting at the individual table, but I think there's another table that some of us are sitting at as well. I'll take the stage for just a moment. I think there's another table that some of us are sitting at and as I begin to think about these three tables, little creek, I want us to think about, like I say, what are the motives at each table? Well, what are the driving forces at each table? And to be honest, many of us, we will find ourselves at some of these tables. But I don't think any of us were ever called to stay at these tables, except for one. So there's one more table that I want to detail for you that I believe some of us find ourselves at. It's not as boring as the other one. This is actually a little bit more exciting at this table. Um, I got all sorts of stuff here. Um, Popeye's chicken. Remember this back in the day? This was a fun fan favorite. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A on a Sunday, baby. Check that out. Look at that. Um, You got pizza. You got soda here. That's how you know the Lord is working. Chick-fil-A on a Sunday, right? You got got Funfetti. You got, you know, these cups. Uh, one of <laughs> have a friend who, who actually doesn't really like the thought about a two liter and a cup. It, he, he believes that it says a lot about <laughs> just the place setting. And if you hear him out, I think it's pretty cool if you think about what it means when this is just set up. You know, it's at parties, but this gives you more of like a, a frat party vibe. Like I said, I'm college pastor. Shout out to the, you know, the college students. But uh, we sit here And some of our tables are in this setting. I call this the entertaining table, the entertainment table. And we sit in this way, and as you can see, I'm even blocked in some ways. Because I think we visit this table, and in some ways we pat ourselves in the back because I am that person that's on the neighborhood app, and I'm that person who, you know, goes and delivers cake to the neighbor, not saying those things as a negative thing. But, but I'm the person who, who hosts, I'm the person who will have the party at my home, and I'm the person, and we need this table. Don't get me wrong, we need this table. This table where people can come, and it's just all free for all, and we can have anything that we want. But I, I see this table, and I want you to catch this visual here, that, that it's set up in such a way that it's in some ways distracting. It's set up in some ways that it's more of a impression. It's more of a facade. It's more of an exterior thing that lets me know, look how I've set this up. Look how all the neighbors are at my home. Look at all the things that I've done. This is fine, but I think if we're so distracted that we can't really get to the bottom of it, we we can't get to any depth of conversation here. And what we'll do, right, we'll, we'll move things out of our way. We'll try to or- orchestrate things in our life. We, we'll move this over. You know, I have this going on in this soccer game, but let, let me make sure I have people come over. But yet and still, there's still clutter. That There's still things that distract us. And like I said, we need this table, but this is one of the tables that my wife actually hates. 
I would say she hates this table, and I believe this is what boils down to what my point is as I sit at this table. She hates this table simply because there's no depth at this table. At this table, everything stays surface. Everything stays at who won the last football game. Everything stays at, did you see the UFC fight last night? Everything stays at, hey, do you want to go to the farmer's market this weekend? Hey, you know, we going shopping. Do you want to go shopping? Hey, there's a trip that we want to take this summer. You know, quarantine is over. Do you want to go to, you know, it stays at a very surface level. There's no depth at this table. And when you think about this table, how how distracting in some ways it can be. I think when we look at our past year of 2020, it was the entertaining table. We, we many times in our worlds and even in church world, was there any depth of conversation? Was there honesty? Was there a place where people come together and we can sit in a place where maybe you land in a different place than I do, but we're at the same table? That doesn't happen here. It stays light. It stays fun at this table. I think the entertaining table can sometimes move us into a place where it's more of a country club vibe. It's more of a cruise ship sort of vibe, and everything is fun and light. But I think there's something else that God is calling us to. I think there's more to our lives if we're going to make our lives matter, if we're going to make it matter at the table. I think there's more to be said than just what did you have fun with this weekend, I think the life that we see when it comes to Jesus is there was much more depth to relationship and conversation. And so we find ourselves either at the individual table or we find ourselves at this table. Each are perfectly fine. Each do not play its own role in our life. Don't get me wrong. All three tables are needed. But how long have you stayed at the entertaining table? I'll ask this question. How much do people truly know you? How much do people actually know the real you? See, it's not at the entertaining table that people can get the honest you, the the full depth of who you are, because you're much more than the latest score of a basketball game. You're much more than a latest cruise ship that you've gone on. You're much more than a vacation that you desire to take. But that doesn't happen at this table. I believe what God is calling all of us to is a third table. And it's here at this table, we see Jesus in the book of Luke that I just read to you. It says that he was with the tax collector Levi. Levi, also known as Matthew, who later became a disciple. Now, we don't catch the full depth, honestly, of Levi, the tax collector, because we don't view tax collectors the way that they did back then. We don't view tax collectors the way that society was back then. See, back then, a tax collector was a person in society's hierarchy or society's ladder, so to speak. It was the person on the lowest rung of society's hierarchy. This person was the type of person that no one associated with. See, in that day and time, the tax collector was not a person that was fair. It was actually a very fraudulent job, a scamming, so to speak, job, because they would they would charge people the taxes of that day of what the Roman Empire wanted, which is, you know, if they, the Roman Empire wanted 33%, that's what they charged. But the tax collector had freedom to upcharge whatever they wanted. So if they said the government's charging 33%, but my commission is much more, so the taxes this year is going to be 66%, they could do that. And they did. And you had to pay them. 
And no one liked this group of people. No one associated with this group of people. This group of people was a very group of people that some theologians would say uh, was a very isolated group because no one really talked with this group of people. But for the next few moments, I actually want to enter into, I would say, some murky water, a little bit of dangerous water, so that you could catch the depth of what it means to sit with a tax collector. See, in our society, it's a little bit different because the scripture lets us know Jesus went eating and drinking with tax collectors and prostitutes. And he's all throughout scripture, you hear that, you see that. And even with the job of a prostitute or a person that's in sex work, whatever the case may be, even there, our culture is so hypersexualized that it's something that's shunned, but it's not something that's the lowest rung. So for you to feel the weight of what Jesus just did, I want to enter into a space of what we would see in our society. This is Jesus sitting at the table with the pedophile. This is Jesus sitting at the table with the leader of a terrorist extremist group. This is Jesus sitting at the table of a well-known ringleader within the sex trafficking world. This is Jesus sitting at the table with someone of that type of stature. Changes this conversation, doesn't it? Many of us, we sit in this room and we think to ourselves, Maurice, I know you're not calling me to do that. I know you're not telling me to step into that situation, and I want to validate those feelings. I want to tell you that human nature to think about certain things in a certain way because of what people do is very natural. Some of you in this room are saying, no way I would ever, in some ways, to still bring integrity to this moment, you're thinking to yourself, hell no. I would never think about the weight of those titles and those type of people that I just mentioned. And yet we see Jesus sitting at this table with that type of person. Because in our world, what our world needs, what we would deem radical, what we would deem crazy living, what we would deem foolish living, Jesus says, at the table, things can happen. See, it's at the table, reconciliation takes place. It's at the table that we begin to see we're not just people who get away to ourselves and isolated. We're not just people who entertain. It's at the table where you see the real person. It's at this table that Jesus says conversion takes place. If there's a scripture that you know for all the Bible geeks in the room, if you know a scripture about Zacchaeus, it's a man who's another tax collector. Remember what I deemed as tax collector? That Jesus says, today salvation has come to your home. I want to dine with you, Zacchaeus. That's his name. I want to sit at your table today, Zacchaeus. And as we look at that, we see a moment where conversion takes place. Salvation comes to your home, he says. What if God's plan for someone to know his goodness and his love was not you inviting them to church, but you inviting them to your home? What if God's plan in the earth was not you telling them to come to an event? And once again, you got to hear me. You got to hear this with the, uh, through the proper lens. I'm not saying inviting people to church is wrong. I'm not saying that bringing people to your, uh, or uh, telling them to come to an event is wrong. But what if God's plan wasn't another program, but your table? What if God's mission in this earth was your home? Yes, your retreat center. Yes, your place where you get away and you just break away from all the world and you don't let anybody in. 
If I'm honest, that is exactly how I grew up. I got to tell you a little bit about who my parents are. My parents grew up and no one, I mean, no one was allowed in our home. We had cousins come over. My dad opened the door like, hey, what's up? (laughs) Oh, cool. All right, I'll check you later. What's up? Close the door. Like for people to see the inside, like the kitchen area of our home was like another like, bro, I got to see the Cox family kitchen. Like, it was a thing if you made it past the, just, the, just the entryway of our door. My, my dad didn't play like that. My dad was not the type of person who just let people into our home. We got a little money uh, at some point in our lives, and my dad and my mom, they started to move up in their careers, and we moved, into a, we moved into a gated community. And when we moved into a gated community, this was a very interesting thing, because if you showed up to our house unannounced, and you don't even have the gate code oh, there's a problem. Like, you would enter like, oh, man, what's up? I was just in the neighborhood. My dad is like, I don't care what neighborhood you was in. How did you get to my doorstep? Because we, we, we didn't play that. And so to think in this way, culturally where I come from, and my parents, the way that we viewed our home, people to get to our table was a lot. But I don't think that we viewed our table in a kingdom perspective. My question to you is, how do you view your table? Is it a place where mission takes place? Is it a place where God's grace resides? Is it a place where we experience all of who he is? Because he used the table. And if the table matters, it only matters because our neighbor matters. And here at this table, what I love about this table is that we make room for other people. We make room for others. It's thought through. It has even little names here. It says Maurice on this right here. Somebody thought through me being at this table. Somebody saw my presence as valuable at this table. I want to take a slight turn for just a moment here. And as the band starts making their way to the stage, I just want to detail just for a little bit. I've been talking about this outward expression of these tables and these physical tables, and I think that matters. I think it really means something. But what if I told you that the table was an outward expression of our heart? Simply meaning, as you look at these tables, do you have the capacity in your heart for your neighbor? See, there's one thing to have it, and we could do things externally, and we could do it because the pastor said to do it. But I think what's deeper and what has much more meaning is, does your heart look like this? Does your heart have room for your neighbor? Does your heart have the capacity for someone else? There's a scripture that I want to read in Galatians chapter 3 that I always hold on to when it comes to the faith, the Christian faith. At this table, what makes Christianity so beautiful and so powerful is that every single person that came to the table was a person from diverse backgrounds. A person that there was a person that you could walk into a Christian home and you could see them breaking bread and worshiping God and you will see a person that is rich and a person that's poor. You you walk in and you will see a person that's a Samaritan and a person that's a Gentile. And nowhere else in the world can you see this sort of inclusion, this sort of diversity, no matter who you are. And Paul, this writer that's a follower of Jesus, details that for us. He said, there is no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. 
there's a oneness that this table brings. There's a truth that this table brings. If you want people to experience God, sometimes we get caught up in, you know, there's an invisible guy in the sky that we can't talk to or that we don't even know, we can't even feel. If you want people to experience If you want people in a tangible way to know who God is, I believe that happens at the table. But first, it has to happen at the table of our hearts. And only God can transform our hearts. And my question to all of us is that if this is the table where everyone is welcome, no matter who you are, no matter what your background, no matter who you voted for, no matter where you land, no matter what you call yourself, If this is that type of table where it doesn't need agreement for us to sit together, for us to have a meal together. Some people get caught up in there. If I have a meal, don't I condone that behavior? Was Jesus condoning the tax collector's behavior? Or was he seeing the humanity and the God image in another person and sitting down with them to show them his love? To show them, I care. And we can have talk about the sports game and we can have talk about all those things and we can have individual moments, but we can also have moments where there's depth. There's moments where we can confess to one another. There's moments that we can bring up our struggles. There's moments where we can say, man, I've been wrestling with this and I don't know what to do. That happens at this table. And if our world needs anything in this day and age, I believe it's more of this table. But the table that I'm speaking of, first and foremost, starts at the table of your heart. And that's simply going to be my prayer as we end our time together. Is that, Lord, who's the neighbor that I need to have on my heart? Lord, how do you, can you make room, can you increase the capacity of my heart to see people the way that you see them? person that I walk by every single day to go right to my apartment complex and I just give a wave to. Lord, can you make room in my heart, my heart? Can you make capacity in my heart so that I can see, just like you saw, that there was neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither male nor female, that we are all one in Christ Jesus. Lord, can I do that? I believe we can because that's my prayer for you. And that was Jesus's prayer right before he left this earth. I pray that they are one like me and my father are one. Let us pray. Lord, in this moment, my simple prayer for every single one of us is that you know the status of the table of our hearts. You know what that looks like. You know how much room we have. You know what, how we view others. You, you know what it means, how much we've loved our neighbor or lack thereof. You know what it means to see the stranger. You know all that it entails. And you know, Lord, where I'm falling short when it comes to that. And Lord, in this moment, if we are going to make our lives matter, it has to happen in our hearts. And so, Lord, can you please, when we, we ask of you in this moment, that when our tables reflect the table that you created, the table that you sat at, the table that Levi was invited to, and the same table that you invited us to. May we give that same grace that we have received. May we give that same love that we have received, Lord, and it starts in our hearts. We need 
this type of love. We need this type of table. In Jesus' name I pray.